1: Hello my Kako. Welcome to a new episode of What school you went? Where we start every conversation with that question. I'm Ron Mizutani, and today we're talking about teen suicide in Hawaii. It's a subject matter that is very difficult to talk about, but sometimes the most effective medicine for suicide prevention is talking to someone and intervention. I want to welcome Dr. Mestisa Goss from Mental Health America of Hawaii. Dr. Goss uh, has been working very closely with our PBS Hawaii team over the last couple of years as we uh, listen with more intent ears but also provide the voice for our students uh, with our Hikino stories and their, their personal reflections on life And uh, we appreciate the relationship we've developed with you and your team, Dr. Goss. You folks have done great work with us. And just the fact that you acknowledge their good work says a lot about, okay, we were on the right track by allowing this initiative to change. We have to change too. Okay, this is a subject matter that I I reached out to you and asked, can we talk about suicide in Hawaii? with our teenagers, and it's very real. I mean, this is a real issue here in the islands. How real?
0: When we look at fatal injury deaths, specifically for Hawaii, when you're in the age range of 15 to 44, it's the number one cause for fatal injury deaths. So in Hawaii, um, every other day, someone dies by suicide. When we look at our youths, um, we have about 10% of them are having attempts. So it's a very real issue that we need to keep in our line of sight.
1: You know, I, I don't want to s- s- compare states because that's not what this is about. But the reality is our numbers sometimes uh, show that we do have an issue here that maybe some parts of America does not have. Other parts definitely have more su- a higher suicide rate, if you will, their teens. Where do we stack up in, in the rest of the country?
0: We well, are not at the highest range, yeah. but it's really complex when you start to look at the issue because Communities of color, um, youth that identifies LGBTIQ, um, youth that might have some challenges, all those things start to increase rates. It's hard to get a really good picture because it's also included, like, where do you live? Do you live in a rural area? Mm -hmm. Do you come from a marginalized community? All those numbers start to change rapidly Mm -hmm. as you start to kind of check those boxes and say, yes, that's me. Yes, that's my experience. Um, Hawaii, in general, has a unique kind of scope, a unique um, relationship in terms of safety because some of the other states, for example, might have higher rates of death by, by um, gun, whereas we don't. So we have to really think about what are people experiencing, what are the resources available and what are the ways in which we can make things that are unsafe for them to be around um, more limited to their access.
1: Not to mention that we live uh, in an island state, so yes. different counties, different islands have different populations, for mm-hmm. example. I mean, Oahu is 1.4 million people. You going to have more teens, you going to have bigger numbers. Yes. But yet a, a small county like Kauai is a smaller population base. But from what I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, their teen suicide rate is, is, uh, is something that is, needs to take notice of.
0: The connectedness in Hawaii, I think, is part of the uniqueness and the fact that, like, that was what I was always told. like, oh, you're going to meet people and it's going to be so-and-so's brothers, cousins, ugly, everyone knows everyone. But the problem with that, you know, that's a beautiful protective factor, but the difficulty is that that means when we do lose someone to suicide, the impact is great. When we start to look at the neighbor islands, we start to say, oh, but their numbers aren't as large when you look at Hawaiis. But you do, you take into consideration population and impact because when you have such a tiny community, so many people are really affected. And then if you have more than one, the ripple effect is is large
1: and just as uh, devastating is those who attempt to commit suicide um, n- dare I say not successful but that attempt to make c- kill yourself mm-hmm. as a young teen can be damaging uh, for the rest of your life isn't it
0: I think what happens when you know when a youth attempts is that it breaks through that original taboo so many of us have a taboo about that behavior and when you have an attempt or you have a family member for example who has died by suicide that taboo is not as strong and so it does increase the likelihood that in the future you might again you know participate in unsafe behaviors and we have to make sure that what happens after that is that they get the support and the skills that they need because something is happening in their environment something is happening either like physiologically or emotionally for them that makes them feel unsafe we always want to tell people that you know sometimes when you have someone who attempts it's not because they they don't want to live it's because they don't want to hurt and that's a really big difference because if you can tell them there are ways to hurt less, there are ways to heal more, then that gets them invested in their own healing process.
1: Well, the sad reality though, I'm gonna even back it up further, is mm-hmm. many teens make a suicide plan uh, yes. that they, they they have, and this is alarming to me too, I didn't even understand that, that, but they have a plan that they plan on executing and they plan on, at the end of the day, ending their life. So that plan and that part of the process in their brains, how do you recognize that that's even going on?
0: If you have concerns about a youth in your life, you would need to look at kind of like the different levels. And I think that you're pointing that out really, really like significantly here, is that there could be just thoughts that are happening. And you might see that being kind of mentioned in social media, or they're kind of loosely saying them out loud, saying things like, I don't want to wake up tomorrow. Those are all red flags if you're thinking, oh, that's just attention-seeking behavior. uh, We kind of want to change that up and say, no, it's attention-needing. They need attention, give them the attention, and start asking really important questions. Mm -hmm. Like, are you thinking about suicide? If they say yes, do you have a plan? How immediate is that plan? And what you're looking for is, do they have a time frame? Have they collected what their plan involves, the, the things that they need to do it with? because all that's going to tell you how immediate the danger is and you really want to get that professional help immediately. One of the things that we have here in Honolulu that I'm so proud of is the crisis intervention team. Mm -hmm. So when you call, um, for example, 911 because you have an unsafe youth, you can request a crisis intervention trained officer who has received 40 extra hours of mental health training specifically in things like suicide prevention, depression, psychosis, and they will come in and help support the youth or the adult in getting the services that they need, and that is unique for us.
1: And I applaud uh, our law enforcement uh, leaders who understand this role that they can and in some cases should play um, and have embraced that role. Uh, Mm -hmm. I know a few of my friends have gone through that training. uh, There was recently uh, at the Mental Health America of Hawaii Ceremony, and uh, I waved at them and thanked them for their good work, because yeah, that's frontline stuff too, not just our educators and and those on the front line. I mean, the, our HPD officers are on the front line on very different ways as well.
0: They are, but I don't think people realize um, how much they are invested yeah. in in kind of making sure people are safe both physically and with their mental health.
1: Yeah, they really care about our teens. They yes. really do. Those who are involved really do. Uh, you know, the numbers again, we can get caught up in numbers. But it's all about at the end is recognizing and then intervention and then, you know, asking the right questions or even just asking questions. It's OK. The the days of, oh, he just wants attention. So and so is just seeking attention. That's that's not the right approach anymore. And um, Lord knows that's how I grew up. You know, yes. oh stop seeking attention. No, I'm, I'm crying out for you. I need help. Uh, what how do we how do we get that message across to even some of our kupuna and our even adults today that that's that's not real i mean we have to listen
0: i think it's to understand exactly what you said the ways that we grew up the ways that we were kind of brought up with different values um, stigma around mental health and seeking treatment of kind of sometimes feeling shamed and saying i'm not okay like i'm i'm not able to do what i need to do i'm feeling very sad i'm struggling But those were often conversations, if they were had at all, that were done behind closed doors that you didn't want to put that out there. But that the good thing about kind of this younger generation is they are pushing back on that. They're saying, well, I'm not okay and I need help. Not all of them are able to say that yet, but some of them are. So stigma plays a huge role, and our kind of, like, job here is to start dismantling it because we are part of the generation that supported it, that said, yep, we don't talk about that. No, we don't share those things. And instead start to approach it as, like, you know, we don't want to lose anybody. So why not say every time we hear this, every time we see this, we do something? And I'd rather be overreactive than underreactive.
1: Yeah, and in some cases— People don't even react at all. Yes. Right? And that's yes. where the trouble starts. You know, as a, I'm curious, uh, as a professional who, who deals with this every day, and as a, as a parent, and now I'm a grandparent, so it's, a, it's a different game because social media has changed so much. How much should parents be watching their social, their child's social media activity, accounts, profiles? Just your thoughts on that.
0: I think more than we realize. When we start to look at it, and this is new information for me as a professional, That there are certain kind of online communities that do have um, issues with safety that we are unaware of. So, for example, the gaming community, which is robust and a wonderful place for them to create connections, does have sometimes this element of bullying and promoting really unsafe messaging to each other. Um, that that is a concern. We've had gamers reach out to us and say um, I don't feel safe. They say all these things to me and they they're, you know, they're bullying. And we see it as just part of sometimes just the culture. What can we do to change that? Because we enjoy the activity, but the culture has gotten toxic. Um, And that was something I was unfamiliar with. And I started looking into it and they're like, yes, that's exactly what's happening is that these different platforms, um, social media apps, they are trying to kind of edit what's being said, the words that can be shared, and you know, the youth are very creative and they find ways around it and they're using different like phrases, but they're using it in a way that kind of, again, takes away the immediacy of the need um, that makes it feel like less serious. So for example, on TikTok, they have blocked a lot of different phrases around suicide and safety and so the way around it is that people have started to use terms like unalive instead and they can still post content that is toxic or unsupportive using different kind of phrases and if you don't look into it if you don't spend some time yourself on it you would never know that right. but this is where our youth are spending large amounts of time
1: so how do you i mean how do you keep pace with that right it's evolving every day i remember yes. when uh, i'm probably saying it wrong but pos you know, parent over shoulder or whatever else. I didn't know any of those acronyms. Mm-hmm. Now it's even more you know, robust and, and certainly more creative. Uh, and I do know social media has even these suicide uh, platforms where you, they ask you to, to, to commit suicide. I mean, it's insane how much they're getting this input. They're consuming their, yes. their content. Uh, some of that content is just so toxic. So how do you, as a parent, how do you keep pace?
0: I think as a parent or guardian, it's important to kind of do your research around it a little bit. And you're not going to spend as much time as they are on it, but to let them know that, you know, these are the things that are unsafe. This is how you report that unsafe behavior, because there are absolutely ways to do that on every single one of those apps um, to make sure that people are okay. It's not anonymous. This isn't, you know, there's this element of I go on, I say what I want, and then I just kind of bounce back off and there's no repercussions. And that's not true anymore. The laws are catching up to that. And so the culture and the safety need to catch up to that as well. We need to have in the community, at home, and at school messaging around how to use this appropriately and how to use it in a way that connects you to the life that you want to live instead of disconnecting you to the people around you.
1: You said there were disconnect before I would just pull the phone <laughs> or take away the, the, the control panel. But now that's not going to solve the issue. They'll find a way, right? They'll find a way yes. to get online, back on social media, whatever, somebody else's phone, their their laptop, so disconnecting doesn't always work when it comes to the old school of disconnecting.
0: Disconnecting doesn't really kind of address the underlying issue, which is how much value they place on the interactions and social media. What we really need to do is to foster healthy connections, healthy like activities that don't involve online pieces, and then how to have more like intentional interactions on social media. We always give that spiel like these are the best of the photos. This is the brand people are creating Um, and they're on one level really aware of that and on another level they're inundated with it for hours. So how do you keep that kind of wall there to say yeah that's not actual reality when that's all you're inundated with for hours. At some point, you start to absorb it yourself. I heard recently a very young teen say, that's not my brand. And I just laughed and was like, what? What do you mean that's not your brand? Like Who talks like that? And like the whole group was like, yeah, that's not her brand. And they were all in agreement. And I'm like, this is a completely different way of even seeing yourself as a person now. And so getting that information, trying to trying to help them find a foundation where they do feel connected because they are so lonely that's what that generation is saying i'm i'm very tech connected but very emotionally lonely and isolated
1: we heard from our hikino alumni talking about brands they talked about that yeah and we're like where's this coming from i mean (laughs) Mm -hmm. i'm i'm so far behind sometimes but it was it was absolutely mind-boggling what you know who they are today and they're they're from where I was a 17, 18 year old, they're far more educated, far yes. more in touch with current events. I mean, uh, my my concern when I was 17 is how big you know Bowls Surf Spot was going to be and where I'm going to get my plate lunch later. These these children are keeping up with Black Lives Matter. They're getting involved in inclusive behaviors and 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 uh, the world of um, you know inclusiveness. Period. Uh, and they're so in touch. <clears throat> and I'm I'm actually. Uh, it, it, gives me, it gives me good feeling. And I want to yeah. make sure I'm not here bashing social media because oh, that's no, not what yeah. this is about. This is about just educating as parents. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm going to ask you, to, to what is the silver lining when it comes to depression in the islands? Depression in general of teens, but especially here in Hawaii. What yeah. specifically can we do better? And what are we doing great at? When we
0: look at depression and suicide in the islands, I think the thing that we are, the silver lining, the thing that we're doing well is that we are... Passionate and motivated to be able to look at it and understand what's happening, that we're getting ahead of it as much as we can, that we're creating uh, laws like for um, our youth to be able to seek mental health services when they're in need but don't have the parental or guardian support to do it. Um, and we're creating a lot of programs where we're going into schools now and going as young as, you know, we see it a lot in, for example, like daycare, but now we're seeing it in elementary, middle, and high school, where we're like, we can't assume that kids are getting this information about self-care and resiliency and how to have like healthy interactions or how to make the right things go viral. Um, but they're starting to teach that a little bit more in just part of the curriculum in school, which is really important. So I always think about it as like levels. Are they getting it at home? Are they getting it at school? Are they getting it in the community? And what we're seeing now is that there's an awareness that sometimes we miss a level, but as much redundancy and um, resources that we can put out is how likely it is to catch every youth that we possibly can. So yes, maybe like I should really highlight the fact that social media does have these kind of difficult things about it, but it is the fastest and easiest way to reach the largest amount of youth with healthy messaging um, and with support, and to help destigmatize issues around getting treatment, so there are great things that we can put out there to help support them through things like social media.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm gonna. I, I, I love what I wanted to end on that, but I, you just triggered another thought. <clears throat> uh, you know, prior to my stop here, I was uh, I, I had a, a time at the food bank, but before that, I was yeah. at the newscasts and the news world. Journalism has changed. I'll tell you this now. The, the word suicide, you couldn't even breathe it in the newsroom. Mm-hmm. Yes. You couldn't even suggest it as a story idea. Even though it was so prevalent, even though it affected families across the state, the, they didn't believe in that. Journalists, like, oh, it's going to have copycats. You're going you're to trigger more suicide. And it's like, no, we need to educate our adults, our children of this, the, of this very real issue. That's changing. You know, yeah. and I'm glad because I've been I was fighting that fight in newsrooms for so long, and I'm glad we have this opportunity to use this platform to talk about it because it's not a taboo subject anymore. We have to make it a part of who we are. Um, it doesn't have to be all you know Debbie Downer stuff, yes. but it it but it has to be addressed. Otherwise, you know, it's going to continue. So thank you for being a part of of this effort and sharing this on the platform. Uh, again, like I said in the last conversation, I almost feel like I should have a teen driving this conversation Absolutely. and not me. And, and in, all, in all defense, I mean, uh, credit to you, rather, and no offense to you, a teenager on the other side. But we still need that professional advice. And that's where this is very healthy um, and important, rather, in the process. So, so again, thank you. And uh, next time we'll have somebody else sitting on this side of the table. Yes, a teen. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dr. Goss, thank you so much. Uh, stay healthy. Thank you for your good work. Pace yourself. I know you and your professional colleagues have had a long, long two years. So yes. thank you to everyone out there who does this for a living. We have to thank them. Yes. Hug a therapist. We should have a <laughs> yeah. national hug therapist day. All right, I'll start it. Mahalo Nui for joining us, folks. Join us next week for another episode of What School You Went. Until next time, ahuyu. Hu.
0: What School You Went is a PBS Hawaii production, music by Taimani Gardner. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and tell your friends. You can find us on pbshawaii.org and everywhere you get your podcasts.